Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. I am literally just back from training camp. Uh, it's it's no joke. Traffic was was real. Um, but I'm back and I'm ready to get into this conversation because there was a lot of cool things that happened. And Alex, Kyle Shanahan had 11 on 11s right in front of us. Oh, my Lord. Oh my. Thank you, Lord. I'm it jelly. wasn't on the far field. I wasn't having to get on my tippy toes and look over at you know, the people on the sidelines. It, it was fantastic. So you mean, hold on, you mean to tell me that today's practice was nothing of particular value to Kyle Shanahan in terms of letting people see it, therefore it's on the close side of the field rather than over where over where the families are at. And he, he let the, the regular plebs have a view of what was going on. Yeah, it, you know what, the offense looked pretty similar to what they did yesterday. They expanded a little bit, but it, once again, it was it was run, it was play action, it was move the pocket, get Trey Lance moving. Hey, and then you got to see some of these offensive players, the interior offensive linemen, have to work against this very, very good defensive line. And it was a lot of fun. They were getting a little bit more physical than they did the day before. Like of course, it. we still don't have pads, so you're not seeing these guys go all out. But you saw some good things from some guys. You saw some things you questioned. Um, but all the time, that these guys are getting coached up. They're getting worked on. So, yeah, it was it was another good practice. And there was some shining moments for players. There was some not-so-shining moments for players. But I think those are going to be the ups and downs. Oh, look, and you're going to have some ups ups and downs, and I just saw it from Bob Murti, the 7-15 of award. This is going to be one of the biggest things that gets talked about all throughout this training camp is Trey Lance and his performance. But look, before we get too far into this, hit the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if this is your first time here, or maybe... Who knows? Maybe you've been coming back and forth. You've been yeah. coming in and taking a peek and like, yeah, maybe I like these guys. Maybe I want to be a part of it. Just hit that subscribe button. It takes a couple of seconds. If you end up hating us later, you can always unsubscribe. 
doesn't take much time. It's free. Doesn't doesn't cost you anything. And then hit that notification bell. That way you don't miss updates like this. Um, and let's get into the Trey Lance talking conversations because I've been reading things that have been coming out. I've been obviously watching videos because I'm finishing up work stuff. I can't actually be at camp, which is frustrating and disappointing. But thank goodness you're there, Ant, and I can yeah. bounce off of you and get a better feel for what's going on and try and just divulge how the coaching staff is feeling, how players are responding and reacting. And look, the 7 for 15 is not necessarily great in terms of what the numbers look like in terms of actual completion and percentages. But again, you don't know what's being asked of Trey. You don't know what they're trying to accomplish and do. Yesterday, we saw a lot of checkdowns throwing underneath. And today, from what it talk was, what it sounded like talking to you, they opened it up a little bit more, a little bit more chances taken from Trey Lance. Um, but and I think the big thing here, and this is the thing you were telling me, and the thing that I think both of us thought going into this is, is this because Trey isn't ready, or is this just because the defense is that freaking good? The defense is that good, and and that's part of the problem. There were just not very many opportunities for Trey Lance to be able to find open receivers because receivers aren't open. Charvarius Ward was doing a fantastic job. That's number one. But also Emmanuel Mosley. They were making it difficult for any of these guys to catch the football. Now, were there opportunities down the field at times? Jawan Jennings had an opportunity at one deep down the field, and they got knocked away last second. Uh, Brandon Ayuk almost came down with one on Emmanuel Mosley, but Mosley fought him to the ground and got rid of the ball. Those cornerbacks are making it difficult. It's not like a lot of the incompletions were bad throws by Trey Lance. He did have the interception to Jimmy Ward. That wasn't wonderful. But, I mean, he's going through his progressions. He's working. And all the while, he's got a very short clock because this defensive line is getting after it. They're getting after him. They're getting pushed on this interior offensive line. It's not easy right now for Trey Lance, uh, but he was doing all right. You know, he took off a couple times. He had one really nice run down the sideline. So there are things that he needs to work on, of course, uh, but you knew this was going to happen. The offense is going to take a little bit longer to gel. The you know, the defense has got all their weapons and the foreigners don't have Debo Samuel. I think if Debo was out there, he might make it a little bit easier for them, but you did see some of these guys make some plays along the way. Uh, it wasn't a terrible day. So if some people are saying he had a bad day, I don't think it was a bad day. I just don't think he was finding the open receivers because there just wasn't that many open receivers. Let's not forget here. Seven, seven to 15. If you take it at its value, just its value, it's not good. And if you're going to use the numbers, like PFF will do, to evaluate and give a grade on the day, then you're going to give it a bad grade. But what I was reading, Ant, was multiple tipped and broken up passes. What you just said was multiple tipped and broken up passes. And from everything that I can gather from what we've talked about, from what I've heard from other people as well, and what I've read from guys like Jack Hammer, um, read from from guys like, uh, from not from Chapman, but from Aponte, what he was talking about, what I've heard from Jordan Elliott and seen from him, what he's been posting about Traverius Ward and how he's all over the place and they're breaking up passes, Hufanga breaking up passes, Jimmy Ward breaking up passes, getting picks, all these things. It sounds like there were four or five passes. Could have been a completion. Might have been. Maybe it was going to be tough, but it got to the receiver. It got to a spot where the receiver couldn't make a catch, and the defense made a better play. If you add those four or five completions back in, you're talking about an 11 for 15 or a 12 for 15-esque day, Ant. We're talking almost completing everything and having only one turnover. That's not as bad as some would say. In fact, you got to look at the defense and tip your hat to what they're doing, and it really does seem and appear that, that your cornerback play is playing at an all-time high right now on top of your, your safety stepping in and telling Owen Hufanga continuing this trend of surprising everyone last year in training camp, surprising fans with how ready he was come season. And by the time you get to the end of the season, what he could do for this team and now stepping in and feeling this Jaquiski tart role in, in a way that makes you, makes it very apparent why the Niners didn't feel like they had an issue at the safety position and why they had the guy already in place. 
I think there was one bad pass in this entire practice uh, from Trey Lance, and it was an interception to Jimmy Ward. There you go. Uh, other than that, he's trying to make plays. He's trying to get it to his receivers, you know, and he gave his receivers opportunity to make plays. Um, he's got some development to do still. He's going through his progressions. You've seen him and Kyle Shanahan throughout practice working on, you know, what his reach should be. But what I liked was when he didn't have something, he didn't try to force it. Uh, he he looked for an opportunity to run. He looked for an opportunity to check it down. So the continuation of yesterday and the checkdowns was there, but they were opening it up. There was a throw along the sidelines that he made to Brandon Ayuk on a deep out where he put it on Ayuk where only Brandon Ayuk can catch it high and outside, and Ayuk t- toe-tapped and went out of bounds. It was an elite throw, yep. and, and he made that throw, and he looked good. And that was the thing. Early on, the very first set of 11-on-11, 11 11, Trey Lance struggled a little bit. Uh, that was you know when the defense was really clamping. When they flipped and went to the other side, he started hitting some of those plays. He got the passes out to Jawan Jennings, and he looked more comfortable. So I, I don't think it's so much that you know he was he's having a bad day. I just think that this defense is really good, and it's gonna it's probably gonna cause a lot of bad days for a lot of quarterbacks if we're just gonna go through the numbers. Look, I, I, you can't. The numbers don't always tell a tale, right? Uh, numbers can give you an idea of what occurred and what happened, but if you take them at its base value, sometimes it will mislead you in terms of getting you to the end result, right? You'll get to a, this wasn't a good day, but is the reason it wasn't a good day because Trey Lance didn't perform, or is the reason it wasn't a good day was because the defense was playing at an elite level? Both things can be true, right? You still get the same end result, but it's the path to get there that I think matters more, and the thing that people need to focus on with with Trey right now, because he's going to have moments where he makes bad decisions, makes a bad read, makes a bad throw, that's fine. But if for the most part he's doing what he's supposed to do and defenses are just playing it really well and taking certain things away from him, it's a feeling out process for a young quarterback, right? What can I get away with? What can I get away with? When can I make certain decisions and take chances and get passes and get the ball to these guys in these situations? And when should I maybe just pull back a little bit and live to fight another day? It's a learning process. It's a learning curve. And he's figuring that out. And the best part is he's doing against one of the best defenses in the NFL, which means he's going to learn quicker. He's going to decipher faster. Um, And since he's seeing something that's elite every day, then when you get into a game, Ant, if you're not seeing that same level of eliteness, then you understand there are areas that you're going to be able to exploit and take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, that defense is no joke. Uh, that secondary is really good. Jimmy Ward, Traverius Ward, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, those guys were looking. And then Ufonga made a couple really nice plays today as well, including one where he got along the sideline and knocked one away from Ray Ray McLeod. It should have been a completion, but Ufonga really drove on that football and made a play. So that's that secondary is playing really good. I I thought they looked good, and then you that linebacker core is just no joke. They're really freaking good, and they're five or six deep at the linebacker group. The defensive line is good, and you know Lou says so. The O line was not good so far. Surprising. They definitely need to gel. But what you're seeing right now is you're seeing a steady rotation between Daniel Brunskill and Jake Brendel. They're splitting first team reps. You are seeing Spencer Burford getting first team reps at right guard. I don't know exactly what that means, but Jalen Moore's been taking the right tackle snaps. Mike McGlinchey was in there early on when they were doing walkthroughs, but when they went to team, it was uh, Jalen Moore. Now, Colton McKivitz was playing outside at left tackle and at left guard at times. He split times with uh, Nick Zakel at left guard, and Colton McKivitz looked pretty good inside. Some of his struggles on the outside were apparent when he was going against speed edge rushers. Oh, there you go. I mean, look, the, the O-line is going to have some moments and they're going to have some some things they got to work out and some kinks they got to work out. Uh, I saw some reports today talking about uh, Aaron Banks and that he struggled a little bit against Maurice Hurst, which is something we saw last year in training camp. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's a question I got to ask it because we were there last year for the Aaron Bank getting mauled by Maurice Hurst. And I said, hey, you know, it's, it sounded like from what people are saying 
that Maurice Hurst got the better of Banks again, and you kind of looked at me and were like, eh, kind of, which is already a good sign. And then I asked you to clarify, Ant, did Aaron Banks improve upon it? Was it, was it the same as last year, or is he a different guy now? Is he, is he playing better against a guy like Maurice Hurst? And he said yes. So elaborate a little bit more on that. What did you see from Banks and Hurst today, positives and negatives for both guys? Yeah, I mean, when it came down to Banks, I mean, Banks is last year looked slow. He looked like his feet were stuck in the ground and he was struggling. He was reaching, you know, for defensive players. And this time he had a nice base and he was getting on to Maurice Hurst and they were having more of a battle. This was more of a back and forth than it was in the past where it was, you know, Maurice Hurst dominating Aaron Banks. Banks is definitely improving. He's going to get better and better. And we got to remember, these guys don't have pads on yet. So we don't know exactly where we're going to get from Banks yet, but he is a lot better than he was last year, which is making me optimistic. Uh, the one thing I, I did tell you that I noticed was Nick Zakel playing behind him. Zakel had some heavy hands and was moving Maurice Hurst off during the run game. And sometimes when these offensive linemen were getting off the ball in the run game, they were winning. It was the pass that they were having a little bit more trouble anchoring and stopping these interior defensive linemen from pushing them back, you know, and collapsing the pocket. So that's something they're going to have to keep working on. It's something they're going to have to get better at. Uh, but it's day two. So the good thing is Aaron Banks, tremendously better than last year. That is a huge positive, and that's a huge plus the San Francisco 49ers. And it's one of the things I was concerned most about was getting to see this guy out there um, operating. And can he improve upon what we saw last year in training camp? And it sounds like he's getting there. Um, when I was reading through things, it sounded like it was one specific play they were talking about in which he got mauled by Maurice Hurts, which is great because last year it wasn't one. It was about 12. It felt like every snap yeah. for a good you know, 15 minutes, it was Aaron Banks going, oh, my God, what am I doing here? And Maurice Hurts being like, welcome to the NFL, kid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Last year he looked outmatched. This year he looks like he, you know, fits the bill, uh, and he, he's he's doing his job. But there's a lot of movement going on with that offensive line right now. Without having Mike McGlinchey in place, without having Trent Williams in place, they're not playing with the mm-hmm. bookend tackles that they're going to be playing with. So these guards are adjusting. They're adjusting to what these tackles want to do in pass sets. They're adjusting to double teams, and then also getting up to second level. Uh, so there's a lot of things these guys are thinking about right now, and you can tell they're thinking. At some point, they're not going to think. They're just going to react, and that's when we're going to get a really good battle between this offense and defensive line. But the offensive line is better, and you're seeing Spencer Burford step up and take really good snaps. He is definitely farther along than like Aaron Banks was last year. That's good so news. that's good news. I think he's a real com- a real competitor for that right guard spot, and I think Daniel Brunskill is a real competitor for that center spot. Him and Jake Brendel uh, splitting the snaps 50-50 now means uh, – this is a complete battle. Uh, agreed. And Donald Johnson just asked a great question. Before we get into more O-line conversation, I actually asked Ant this right before we went live. Literally. Yeah. While Right before we went live, who he was most impressed with the camp so far. Some of you, it may surprise you. Some of you, if some of them, it, some of you, it probably won't. Who so far, Ant, has been the standout? It's Charverius Ward. I mean, Charverius Ward is absolutely fantastic. Everything he does is good. He's competing on every single play. He's taking it personal when he goes against Debo Samuel. I mean, he's, I mean, I'm sorry, against yeah. Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. He is on him all the time. Uh, I saw Brandon Ayuk catch a pass, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, he finally got Charverius Ward. Nope, it was Ombre Thomas. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> literally how it is. Charverius Ward does not get caught on. These guys are struggling with him, whether it's press, whether he's in zone, he's all over them. And him and Emmanuel Mosley have been locking down the outside receivers, making it a lot more difficult for Trey Lance you know, and uh, Nate Sudfeld to find open receivers. It's been difficult, and that's why they've been checking down. That's why they've been finding these other guys, and that's why tight ends have been making a lot of plays over the first two days because it's hard, it's hard trading right now for a wide receiver. 
I look, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect anything else. And when you told me this, and when you said this, and from what I'm reading, a lot of people feel this way as well. Jordan Elliott, Splash Cousins felt this way. A uh, Jack Hammer feels this way. You're saying the same sort of things, yeah. and we got different guys who. All of you have different perspectives. How, how all three of you look at the game is very different, all, all of them, uh, including myself and you. When I'm hearing everyone coming to the same consensus, which is Charvarius Ward seems to be worth every penny we've spent so far, that is a huge plus for the 49ers because it was one of the biggest questions going into last season. It was the thing we needed to address. And uh, last year, Ant, we went from why didn't the 49ers do more to I don't think there's going to be that question asked at all because it looks like Traverius Ward is a home run. And as long as this continues, this is a huge plus for the 49ers because if you're going up against this kind of lockdown young corner right now, then it's going to make your life easier when you play the Rams. It's going to make your life easier when you're playing some of the better teams in the NFL that have that shutdown guy on the outside that yeah. have paid that kind of money, the J.C. Jackson, the world, and things of that nature, where you're going to feel good going into those situations because your receivers every day in practice have that guy that they're lining up against. Not to mention what Emmanuel Mosley has continued to show opposite of that. Last year, he was cornerback one and didn't give up a touchdown. And it sounds like he's building upon that performance, too. And it seems like he's almost feeding off of Charvarius Ward and what he is and that they're both going to help elevate each other. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all working out together. Between Emmanuel Mosley, Jimmy Ward, and Charvarius Ward, there's a lot of rep that goes through on their EDDs that they're not in the same line. I mean, these guys are just about it. They're working together, and they're working hard. And Emmanuel Mosley and Charvarius Ward are no joke. Uh, so it's it's going to be crazy. And there was so many times that Trey Lance you know, uh, went dropped back, and I kept waiting for him to get rid of the football. And when he didn't, I would def because a lot of times I spent time watching the offensive line, defensive line today, I would look, and I would just be like, oh, Covered, 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 covered. I mean, you're talking body on body. These these guys in the secondary, the linebackers, were locking it down. They had understandings of what they were looking at. Of course, as this offense gets more complicated and they start doing more things, that will make it a little bit more difficult for the defense to be able to pick up what's going on. But right now, it is tough sledding for this 49ers offense because the defense is fantastic. And the thing is, you don't have three, four seconds to get the ball downfield. I mean, all the deep passes that happened today were not in rhythm. They were not on time. They were all because of rollouts, escaping the pocket, if there are real escapes, and then getting the ball downfield. There's just no time for these quarterbacks right now because it's tough sledding against this defense. Uh, especially that front four. And look, let's get to that front four a little bit more, Ant, and what it did against this offensive line because I saw earlier, I think it was Lou brought up Justin Skule. Is he available? He's available. And he got worked today a little bit by Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson showing up in a big way. That's great to see your second-round pick, pick 61, showing up day two of camp and having himself a great showing against a veteran presence and a guy who understands this offense in Justin Skule. Yeah, I mean, Justin Skule, you know, he, I mean, he he got out really nice in his kick slide. I was actually watching him on the play, so it worked out great for me uh, <laughs> because Drake Jackson got up the field and he absolutely put a move. He, he closed down his elbow real quick on the outside and got over the top and around him, bent the corner, which we know Nick Bosa said he could do well. The crazy part was Kamoko Ture won on the other side as well, and they were about to meet at uh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy rolled out. He would have been sacked, and then he completed a deep pass down the field to uh, Danny Gray for 45 yards, uh, but it would have been a sack, and it wasn't close. It's one of those ones Drake Jackson runs by him, taps him on the chest, and is like, oh, okay, you're going to continue to play, whatever. <laughs> um, but his his the way he was moving, the way he bent the corner, uh, it was nice. Like I'm waiting for him to build on that. If he can get the full hand, uh, you know, in the repertoire like Nick Bosa has or Samson Ebicom have at this point, 
Um, I mean, the, the sky's the limit for this guy because athletically and just physically built, he was standing next to Bosa, and I mean, they might as well be the same build. I mean, just I mean, crazy big legs, uh, athletic ability for days. These guys are tough, uh, so I'm I'm excited about Drake Jackson and how he's going to develop. But yeah, I mean, he 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 got on school on that one. That, that's a great news for Drake Jackson. Maybe not so much for school, but it's also yeah. Anta one play we're talking about here one rep and also with no pads on it's a little bit harder as an o-lineman to get your anchor points down and get your hands on something and grab grab something to be able to have that steering wheel uh if, if the pads aren't there to, to do so and so we'll see how that plays out going forward uh but look let's also get into the fact that you had today uh, charles a mini he was sliding to the inside because no eric armstead he also had carrie Hyder rotating in on the interior as well so getting to see both guys and chris Sarek working those guys in the fact that this is happening two days in then he's now sliding around multiple guys in order to get this group figured out and figure out his rotations and stuff is a great sign for the 49ers because you didn't see as much of that last year in training camp you saw guys playing their specific roles guys trying to get familiar on the front four in terms of where they were supposed to be especially with nick bosa not available with bosa available and out there and doing stuff with these groups it's giving him a better idea and him and coach tap both a good idea of how to tweak with these lineups how to tweak with these rotations um what did you see out of those movements and did they pay some dividends in certain areas yeah i mean they did those pretty much uh those sub packages you know when they were working on their individuals and over there by themselves when they got into team you didn't see a lot of those stunts and and them working those guys on the inside as much i think basically because they know that right now this offensive line is not equipped to handle it and that you know trey lance nate sudfeld and brock purdy would be in a world of hurt if they started doing that getting those guys all out there together they're not ready for that but um when i was watching it and them working in individuals and sub packages they were definitely looking good i like the fact that carrie Hyder and, and charles aminihu at times are inside and that gives them a lot of versatility and with them really breaking down what Drake Jackson's role is going to be. And we heard Chris Kassarek talk about it last week you know, when he was talking to David Lombardi was that, hey, we're going to play this guy on the outside. We're going to teach him how to you know, set the edge and do the things that he's really good at. So I don't envision him landing in that Arden Key role initially, um, something they can definitely groom him for in the, in the future. So it's going to mm -hmm. be a mini It's going to be Kerry Hyder. And both of those guys, hand placement, technique, uh, short area quickness looks fantastic. This defensive line is is wonderful. I mean, they're big, they're strong, they're fast, and they have no chill. They just get after it. So, uh, yeah, that's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch them working on their stunts and working on their techniques. That's that's great to hear. And and also, you had mentioned to me a little bit about Hassan Ridgeway putting together one of his better days and had himself a spectacular standout day. Well, Kimdichi uh, did, did some nice stuff, but nowhere near the level of production that we saw out of out of Ridgeway today. Is this going to be a problem for Kandichi? Because, I mean, the reality is is it sounds like Maurice Hurst is looking like he's back to form and back to the guy that we hoped he could be last season. You have Hassan Ridgeway coming in now in day two and stepping up in a huge way and having himself one heck of a day and putting together a nice a nice day blowing by people, blowing stuff up on the interior and in the middle. And um, is this going to be a problem for Kandichi? Who is he actually competing with in order to be able to uh, get anything done and have a chance to make this roster? Uh, I mean, he's, he's, you know, dealing with the guys on the inside, of course, you know, I mean, you got Kevin Givens, uh, Hassan Ridgeway. I mean, those are, those are the main backups uh, that are, that are, he's in there competing with, and he's going to be playing the one tech and right now, you know, with Javon Kinlock get, not getting those snaps on the interior during 11 on 11s, you're getting to see a lot of Ridgeway and a lot of Kandiche and both of them look good. It's just Ridgeway today was moving people. The first play I watched him go against Spencer Burford, he absolutely got into his chest plate and pushed him back into the backfield a little bit. And I've been waiting for him, you know, to go ahead and sink down and anchor. Uh, so Burford got his hands full a little bit with Ridgeway at times. 
but Ridgeway looks good. And I think Kandiche, I know he had a lot of people said he had a really good day in day one. Today I did focus on him a little bit more, and I thought it was more uh, tempered. You know, I, I thought he wasn't as good as he was from what everyone said. So I'm very excited about that group, uh, that defensive lineman. And right now they just got tremendous depth all over the place. And I think that a lot of that is because they have these edge rushers that can fly in on the inside. But today was all about the base 4-3 defense. Oh, look at that. The base goes in and does what it's supposed to do. And in a shocking turn of events, the guy that they brought in, Hassan Ridgeway, that a lot of people were like, this is a throwaway signing during free agency. People didn't want to get excited about it. Paying dividends early in the year, which I love seeing and hope to continue seeing that from, from the gentleman in, in this rotation. Um, look, I, I think another thing to bring up and talk about is Nick Bosa and, and what he adds and what he does for this team. I think it was kind of on display today. I saw a lot of people talking about Nick Bosa and George Kittle today, them going up against each other a few times. And Bosa, in a shocking turn of events, and getting the better of Kittle at times, um, Bosa is just all world. And so getting him out there for the first time in, in a few years now at, a, at camp, fully healthy, ready to go, is going to be huge for the offense as well because you get to face one of the best in the league and the best in the game at, at that position in terms of what you need to do to be able to slow that down or face it. And uh, I hate to break it to 49ers fans, you got the AFC West that you're contending with that has edge rushers galore everywhere. Every single team is stacked in their front four across the board. This is going to be great prep work. Being able to go up against a guy like Bosa all year long for your tackles, for George Kittle, for any tight end you have out there in space. Yeah, and I mean, on these plays where you've got a tight end blocking an edge rusher like Kittle blocking Nick Bosa, you're not expecting him to have to block for three or four seconds. You're expecting to get the ball out you know, with haste, and that did not happen on the play. And part of that reason was these corners and safeties absolutely clamped down the receivers <laughs> and didn't allow that to happen. Trey Lance double-pumped. He was looking. He's trying to find someone. Uh, but that's really difficult when you got a guy like Bosa bearing down on you. And Kittle did the best he could. When it comes down to it, he's not a you know top-flight offensive tackle in this league. No. And going against Nick Bosa is an absolute mismatch. So, uh, yeah, Bosa was handling business, but that was kind of what you saw from amongst the entire defensive line, they were getting the best of this offensive line. If it went, you know, down to the three, the four seconds, uh, you're used to seeing Jimmy Garoppolo get the ball out quick. That's not what Trey does. You know, Trey doesn't get the ball out quick continuously. When he gets it out, it looks nice, and there's a lot of opportunities. But there is going to be snaps where they he's going to hold on the ball a little bit longer. It's just going to be a different kind of offense from the 49ers. Oh, I, I like that. I like hearing that. And and look, I mean, that's the reality with a young quarterback, new things going on, new new offensive line and new look offensive line, especially right now with your bookends not being in there. Things are going to differentiate and play a little play out a little bit differently, I guess, is the right way to phrase it. But Brandon Ayuk he was here last year. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot in camp last year. It was kind of quiet and silent. Uh, today, it seems like had a pretty good day. It sounds like the two of the better catches of the day were Brandon Ayuk, a tiptoe, high high grabber on the sideline, and, and one across the middle with George Odom, in which they seemed like collided, both going after the football, and Brandon Ayuk came down with the thing in space and, and comes down. Uh, George Odom, it sounded like, had himself a pretty aggressive day and showed why the Niners wanted to bring him in and what he could add on the defense as well. Um, talk about B.A. and what you've seen, if anything, out of him right now compared to last year early in camp yeah what was nice is both those plays were pretty much right in front of me That's so beautiful. i saw everything happen i had a little disagreement with the guy in front of me he thought that george odom absolutely whacked brandon Ayuk, and i said nah, he just had a light contact uh it was light contact he tried to hold up but Ayuk made a did a good job flattening his route making the catch over the middle on a dig right in front of george odom and another defender which i don't remember who it was um, but I do remember Odom because Odom had to give us the whole, oh, not me. I didn't do that. Um, but, yeah, I thought Brandon Ayuk looked good. The 
problem right now with Brandon Ayuk is he's looking good against Aubrey Thomas and he's looking good against George Odom and those kind of guys. But right now, Charverius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley are making it difficult on Brandon Ayuk. With all that being said, though, Brandon Ayuk looks so much better than he did last year at camp. I think he's advanced so much. He looks like a veteran receiver. He definitely understands where he needs to be against zone coverage. He's creating separation, especially when he goes against an Ombre Thomas or you know one of these other players. His a lot of his releases and things are really good, and his hands are fantastic. Last year he would drop the ball occasionally. That's We're true. not seeing that now. He has a real chemistry with Trey Lance, so that's good. And the catch he made along the sidelines was one of the best catches I've seen him make. You know, in person as he caught the ball and toe tapped, and he was fully outstretched. It was very reminiscent of that ball he caught where Jimmy threw it way outside and he had to make a tremendous catch. Uh, that's what it looked like, and it was great. That is fantastic to hear because the reality is his BA has to elevate and become a better version of himself than he, what we saw last year. And what we saw last year in camp was a guy who wasn't getting separation against the second team guys. Yeah, He wasn't standing out versus the second team. Uh, he wasn't standing out versus the first team, but you would expect him to dominate when you get into those second team reps and situations, and he just wasn't doing that. Debo was the one standing out. Trent Sherfield was the one standing out. And by the time we got to week one, in big moments, Trent Sherfield was the one getting his number called, and B.A. wasn't. So the fact that we're seeing at least a version of Brendan Ayuk stepping in and, and having good moments is great, but B.A. has also talked about how irritating Charvarius Ward is. He has talked about him, him and Fred Warner both being irritating. They are irritating to go against. They are irritating to face. And that's a great thing for the 49ers to really push and test this young man because you want to figure out right now where that breaking point is. Is this a new leaf-turned-over improved version of B.A. who understands what it means to be a professional and can get it done regardless of the circumstance or situation? Or when the going gets tough and you get irritated and things aren't going the way you want, are you going to revert back to old ways, take some plays off, not run as hard as you should because you know what? You're not even going to look at me anyway. I'm just a distraction here on this route and and really kind of throw in that towel a little bit. Not to say that he quits or anything like that, but just to say, hey, I know I'm not the priority here. I know what we're working on today. I don't have to go as hard. Uh, Brian Nuke is fully engaged I I mean, the, the entire time. He's a leader now in this football team with that wide receiver group. Hey, he he's fully engaged, and I expect him to have a really good season. Right now, he's just having you know some tough times. I think he does need a little bit of extra time with how good that quarterback group is. So if this offensive line could get some chemistry going, you know, and be able to handle consistently this pass rush, which is going to be difficult, it's a very good pass rush, and give him a little bit of extra time. I think he can create even on Ward and Mosley. But right now, it's not very hard uh, to cover because you just don't have that much time, and that's that's making it difficult. But these cover guys are really good, so. Um, I'm, I'm definitely more, very excited about the secondary group. And that was the one thing I walked away from is like, okay, there is not just good secondary players, but there's depth on, in, in that secondary as well. And um, I mean, I think if there was one concern, it would be that Omri Thomas consistently gets beat. I mean, Omri Thomas right now is not having his best training camp. Uh, he's struggling that a lot of the ca pass catches are coming up on him and that's in man, that's in zone. So he's got to get better. His technique doesn't look bad. I watched his technique. I watched him go through his drills. So right now there's a little bit of disconnect, but there's still time for him to figure this thing out and get it going. He was a slow starter last year. It's true. Uh, so maybe once we get ramped up and get into pads, he'll start playing with more physicality, and then we'll see the Ombre Thomas we saw last year. That would be great Great to see. It is a concern. What about Diamondo Lenore? Have we seen any of Diamondo Lenore? Is he standing out at all, or is he kind of just blending into the background at the moment? Yeah, right now Diamondo Lenore is kind of blending. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's him and Samuel Womack are kind of going unnoticed. Uh, and I think part of that is is because Darquez Denard is doing a very good job. Darquez Denard is right now, I think, the starting nickel, you know, and that was one of the things that got asked earlier. I think it was uh was it Donald that asked that? I think so. Um 
yeah, I mean, right now, I think Denard has been the most impressive. I He stood out when I was watching him go through drills. He's very comfortable. The other thing that was that happened today that was, I mean, very noticeable, Dante Johnson worked fully with the safeties. So Dante, Dante Johnson went through the entire practice working with safeties. He did not work out with the corners at all, and he was taking reps with Leon O'Neal, and they were like the third or fourth group. Uh, so it was it was something interesting to watch as those guys were kind of working together. Um, and I love that uh, Tisio said no blem when, about it, the Brandon Ayuk contents. Well done. That, that's that's well done. Hey, no blems at all. No, no blems. No blems. Yeah. No blems. So we love BA around yeah. here. BA BA is one of my favorites. Uh, one of my leagues. I will be keeping BA even though I took him in the sixth round. Um, I know a lot of places have him mocked a little bit further, but I still feel a sixth round uh, for for Mr. BA is good. And T Tyler. Welcome to the cutback group. Yeah, thanks so much for the subscription, T. Welcome. Uh, appreciate the subscription. It's going to be... Megan, gonna be... Loves, Megan loves the name. Oh, yeah, that's right. T. Higgins. I forgot about that. She loves the T. Yeah, the T. That's she, a good name. She just won't say T. Tyler. because It doesn't, doesn't ring the same as I, T. Higgins. I like T. Tyler better. I, I, I'm, yeah. you know, personally, he seems like a 49ers fan. Aunt. Yeah. That already puts him in a better light than T. Higgins. Agreed. Unless T. Higgins decides to sign with San Francisco next year in the offseason. And then T. Tyler. I'm sorry. Oh, and, you know, another thing that I wanted to bring up about this secondary was, you know, they're working really good together. Even the, the you know, the backup units are working good together. Uh, Quantrez Knight in the nickel, he was not getting beat. Um, you know, Samuel Womack wasn't getting beat, but they weren't really testing him a lot because they were just on top of these guys. And then you had Taylor Hawkins have a big interception down the field. Uh, Brock Purdy thought he was going to get it down the field in a hurry, and that did not work out for him. He got it absolutely intercepted. And uh, it was it was a very very nice play. So uh, these guys are out there making plays, are getting things done. And the secondary looks like everything it was advertised. And you know we put out that video just on Sunday about Charverius Ward being the lockdown Ward. And you know we got a little bit of pushback here and there because he never showed out on film. Well, guess what? This guy's coming for that top spot. He's ready to earn that money. And when you put him in front of this defensive line, he's looking right now like he's going to be one of those guys. I'm very excited about the secondary. It finally matches the level of the defensive line. Which, if it matches the, the level of the linebacker group, could be the number one defense in the league. Uh, look, I'm all for that, and I want the number one defense in the league yeah. because talk about uh, pressure lifted off your shoulders if you're Trey Lance. Some people would argue and say, look, if you get the best defense in the league, then what excuse do you have if you're Trey Lance? You have no excuses. You got a defense that's going to make up for your mistakes. You better get the job done. But listen, what, what I will say is, is if you're Trey Lance, it takes all the pressure off your shoulder because there's no emphasis now on, on you going out there and putting up 40 50 points a game we don't need you slinging this thing 50 times we need 21 points yes you get three touchdown scoring drives you're great and if your defense can create a couple turnovers and give you a couple of short fields that makes your job even easier and this is a, a team that's going to be predicated on running and establishing that rock on the ground first so as long as you're getting yourselves your team in and out of the right play calls then you don't have to be making electric plays constantly for Trey Lance. You need one a game. You get one of those a game, and you're going to make the drives that you need and the times you need to execute and put the ball in the end zone significantly smaller. You score through two to three touchdowns a game, man. You put your team in the boat and in the driver's seat to be able to go win football games because your defense isn't going to allow and give up a bunch of points. Yeah, and CJ has a nice question here. Brunskill, our new center. I think Brunskill is definitely in a a competition which Brendel Brendel was still out with the first unit. He was taking the first snaps, um, but when they when they went uh, to Brunskill, he took snaps with the first unit. That was something that was different today, where you saw uh, Poe. I'm sorry, no uh, West. 
Um, he he was the one that was taking the, some snaps as well as the center with the center group. So it's interesting the way they're going to do this, but it's going to be an open competition. I think that's the way you see it. Whenever you have the first unit out there and that guy's there, uh, that means it's a competition. So it could be Brunskill. Brunskill looks comfortable, a lot more comfortable even than yesterday. He looked like he was getting back into the, you know, kind of the, the swing of things. So I think that Brunskill and Brendel is going to play out, but both of them are playing okay right now. We'll see if one of them elevates themselves when we get into pads, because that's what I want to hear. I'm really curious to see if, if we've seen Brunskill be able to anchor down at the guard spot. But now you have a hand between your legs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to anchor? And when it comes to Brendel, that's one thing I'm concerned about. Is he going to be able to anchor against Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Hassan Ridgeway, you know, uh, Robert Kandice? Uh, Robert uh, it's going to be tough. So I just want to see how they operate. And that's what we're going to find out when they get into pads. That's going to be huge, man. It really is. Um, it's really hard to evaluate the O line when there's no pads on. There's no, it's really hard to evaluate that D line. There's certain things you can look at and areas that you can critique and feel good about. But the reality is, at the end of the day, without those pads on, you can't truly get physical. You can't truly get a grasp of where hand placement is supposed to be. Is it accurate? Are they getting control when they punch? You can see little things here and there, but it's not going to be consistent enough uh, to, to feel great about it one way or the other. And I see Kenny saying, J.C. Treader coming to San Francisco. Maybe that's something the Niners decide to do. Maybe that's the route they decide to go. But the reality is, is right now, this is going to be a battle between these two gentlemen. And if neither one of them shows the coaching staff what they need in order to feel comfortable about them starting at the center spot going forward, then you will see something like that with J.C. Treader coming in being the reality. But if that's going to happen, it's going to happen over the span of the next two to three weeks in which we get two preseason games in and maybe there's some concerns after the second preseason game where it's like, mm, maybe we don't have the solution here. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think with Daniel Brunskill moving to center, we might not see J.C. Treader. You know, right. I mean, Daniel Brunskill might take this job. I've been pretty consistent on the fact that I felt that if there was somebody that could take over the right guard spot, that Daniel Brunskill could be thrown into the center mix. It appears that's what's happened. They're feeling comfortable with One Spencer Burford. Yeah. Uh, Spen or, Spencer yeah. Burford's getting all the snaps right now, you know, and they're not even Jalen Moore's not even getting those reps when they're going to the other units. It's different guys. Um, you know, I've seen Poe do it. Poe looked pretty good as far as speed wise, uh, but you can still see the size difference. I, you know, but I want to see him in pads and see how when he starts pulling and running these traps and kicking guys out when they run their, you know, their different schemes or gap scheme, what that looks like, because I think that's the area where he's going to show his most strength. So I don't think we've got any to all the strengths of some of these players yet until we get physical and pads but we're definitely seeing a pecking order start to line up on where these guys are at and there's some of these guys that are going to absolutely struggle to make this team and then there's a core group that it's like if it could go one way or the other because guys like colton mckivitz jalen moore you know spencer burford they're all looking good and then i watched nick sakel for several snaps today and he played with heavy hands and you can see his confidence and the way he's being able to get more comfortable playing left guard getting better so that was a smart move them leaving him at left guard and just leaving him at that one spot because he definitely needs to get more comfortable there well look at that uh jc already on a plane to tampa <laughs> bay and shane just said this as well jc yeah. maybe going to the bucks after their center went down with a serious knee injuries would make it looks sense like. um it would 100 percent make sense uh kenny treader does want a ring I, I would agree with you on that the Bucks provide that option and opportunity as well. You until still have they, to, until they play the Niners, they do. Until they play the Niners, that is true. Or until Tom Brady is no longer your quarterback. The reality is, with Tom Brady out there, uh, Tom Brady is able to get it done whether he has a lot of weapons or whether he has no weapons. I mean, he, he's done it in New England with no weapons and a great defense. Uh, he's done it with weapons 
on the offensive end and a defense that was spotty and questionable. Um, he has had success doing things a variety of different ways. Um, I mean, listen, I don't think a center would turn down the opportunity to play with a guy like Tom Brady. So Treader may be being picky, but that situation now seems like a, a perfect fit for someone like him. Yeah, I mean, it could be. And that and that could, you know, kind of answer some of the questions, at least about J.C. Treader. There's still other veteran centers out true, there. True. The 49ers decided they were going to be interested in. But I do think that they want to roll with one of these two guys, Brunskill or Brendel. I, I think that they believe that Burford or Jalen Moore is going to be able to get it done at guard, which is great news for the 49ers. And then they can go ahead and plug and play, you know, Daniel Brunskill or Jake Brendel at center. And I think that's what they believe this this offensive line is going to look like. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Joseph saying Jake Brendel is the answer. Nick Sakales will be the long-term answer. No outside players. Put the pads on and watch the pass protection go to 100. Look, I love the confidence there, Joseph. I am not going to say the pass pro is going to go to 100, though, because I've seen what this front four looks like. I know what this defensive line and rotation is, uh, and I expect them to have some struggles. This is a young offensive line at a lot of spots. If Brendel is in there at center, that's a young, well, not a young, but an inexperienced gentleman playing that center spot. Banks, young, inexperienced, untested here at the NFL level. Jalen Moore has some experience, but not a whole heck of a lot. And the same thing with Spencer Burford. There is going to be a learning curve with these gentlemen. There's just going to be areas and times where they struggle. And what you're hoping is they don't struggle in the run game because that will make the pass pro and pass situations easier for the 49ers and Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, these guys just got to have time. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing with the young players. They just need time to be able to develop and get chemistry with each other. I think what we're seeing right now is them working on that. Working on, you know, hey, when this guy gets, you know, this guy likes to set up this way in his kick slide and this guy likes to do this. They're getting used to playing together. And that's a, that's a lot of what goes into it. You know, being able to keep your your balance, your distance. Also, when you're going in for double teams, how you're going to attack. Yep. All those things are being coached up. These guys are working on their techniques. They're going to get better. They're going to gel. I think this offensive line is going to get better every single day. And that's what's nice. Is that, you know, I'm going to be out there Saturday. I'm going to watch these guys again. And if they're better than they were today, I'm going to be encouraged about this offensive line. But nothing scares me about having a young offensive line. Now, when, you, now when you're a coach that really gets into it, and I think Forrester's one of those guys, he knows those development is is a key and when you have some of these guys that don't have bad characteristics that's better don't give me a veteran that already does something i don't like give me a blank you know clay that i can work with blank slate, and, and let me develop it and i think and that's your eye slate it and that's what they've got and spencer burford is already farther along than aaron banks that's a good sign for the 49ers it is the, the fact that they're they're doing their best against this front four with Colton McKivitz at left tackle and with Jalen Moore at right tackle with a rookie Spencer Burford at guard and they're holding up for three seconds at times means you have room for growth. I think they can do it. I, I love that, and I really, really do. Donald Johnson now for like the fifth time asking us, my, my bad, Donald. It's my bad. We, we start getting Apologies. on other things. We get on other things, and I forget about questions until they pop up again. Uh, but see, Donald Johnson, chat. The emphasis and the epitome of of just continuing, right? Pre press on. Keep asking. We're going to eventually get to it. Uh, who looked better today, Ty Davis-Price or Trey Sermon? Um, I thought that Trey Sermon had himself a really good day. Now, That's both good. of them look good on their carries. There wasn't a lot of opportunities, but Trey Sermon's doing it all. He's catching the ball in the backfield. He caught some checkdowns. He was running really nice on the inside. In fact, he had one of the better runs of the day where I thought he really got to the line of scrimmage, pressed, and then made his jump cut and got vertical in his hole. He looked good. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, of course, I thought had the best run of the day. But I, I think that both of those guys looked pretty good today, and they're both going to add something different because they both have different running styles. Uh, and I think Trey Sermon, I think this is just two days' work, 
But I think Trey Sermon's going to make this football team. I think he's going to add something to this offense at some point because I have seen a lot of improvement from last year. This is not a complete bust. This is a developmental piece. So let's see what happens you know, during the next several weeks when we get into pads. If he's breaking those arm tackles, because I think TDP is going to, and everyone's favorite guy, Jordan Mason, just tries to run through everyone when he gets out in the open field. He does not stop. So I think that we're going to see a lot of physicality coming from this running back uh, group. But yeah, I thought that overall both of them had good days, but I would give the edge to Trey Sermon because I just thought his vision overall shined. That's great news for San Francisco. I mean, talk about taking a, taking a guy, high-value pick last year, didn't really pay off in the 2021 campaign. If it pays off in 2022, then you know what? It is what it is, and you, you didn't get necessarily what you wanted last year, but Elijah Mitchell came through and shined. You know what you have in him, and now hopefully Trey Sermon continues his development. The big thing was him figuring out at least one thing, right? Either figure out how to get vertical, Right and get up into these holes and make the reads you need to make, or become a better pass catcher and route runner and be a, be an option and a threat out of the backfield. It's sounding more and more like the pass catching catching aspect is coming along and he's solidifying himself as a possible legitimate third down back option for the 49ers. And once we get those pads on, we get to see if there's anything else they can plug in and start to drift himself more towards RB2 in the system than just pass catching option. Yeah, I would say out of all the running backs, the only one that I've seen have a little bit of struggles at times is TDP. Uh, today, they motioned Jordan Mason out on the outside and had him go against a corner, and he won on a stop route. Uh, that is that is ridiculous. He's 225 pounds, so these guys have a tremendous skill set, and I do think TDP is going to get better. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about both of these guys. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, John here, uh, Sac Francisco, wait a minute. Why did why did the cone man put Trey Sermon in his not so good category? I haven't watched the video. I couldn't tell you what, what his reasoning was. Here's the problem: you can't have good and not so good from each day because you don't know exactly what these guys are looking at, what they're supposed to. That's why you don't look at results. You got to look at how they're actually operating within the offense. Look at the vision. You know, look at the things that they're doing, the way they're catching the ball, the way they're you know moving. Were they running the right routes, doing their things right? And and he was. He was doing a good job. Um, this would have been the same things they were saying about Elijah Mitchell last. Year. There was no one, no yeah. one coming out of the first bit of practices, the first week of practices, had a lot of positive things to say about Elijah Mitchell. I, and when I say no one, I mean no one. No one was saying anything positive. And the very first day that we were there, as we're leaving and we're live, and I asked you we, live on air, which of the running backs impressed you most? You literally said Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell was the one who showed the best vision, the best patience, the ability to run, get in between guys, get up field quickly. All the things that they were looking to do today, you could tell based on you know practice plan, what they were trying to do, how, where they wanted guys to hit. He's the one that's getting vertical, focus on the coaching points, which is getting up field quickly in a hurry. And it's going to pay dividends at some point. And we get to week one and it paid dividends immediately. Yeah. And, you know, everyone knows what my feelings are about. We're about Trey Sermon last yep. year that he didn't fit the system. Well, I mean, why would I come out now and say that he's, you know, getting better? I'm, I have no reason to say it other than the fact that he's getting better. And this is just what happens when you get coached by Bobby Turner and you get coached by Anthony Lynn. Uh -huh. You're going to develop and he put in the work. His body looks good. I mean, the guy looks like he's in good shape and he's getting after it. Sermon's vision is definitely getting better he's getting more comfortable in this scheme he's getting more comfortable with getting his foot in the ground and going and Kyle Shanahan's getting more comfortable with what Trey Sermon's actual skill set is and he's putting him in situations where he can be successful that's what coaches do he's a good coach he's pretty good man what yeah he understands that his players have different strengths and abilities and then plays to those strengths and abilities and then pushes them to improve on their weaknesses yeah it's fantastic I'm yeah. stunned
Yeah, I, I think that there's. I think I think the running back room is going to be fine. It's going to be a nice competition. We haven't seen a whole lot of carries from any of these guys. They've been rotating them through, and and you know for like Lou and those guys that are really into Jordan Mason, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities right now for him to run the football. But that one play where he made the catch along the sideline was very important. I like that. And then there were a couple of runs. And the one thing about him, I mean, all the running backs keep even after their touch keep running, you know, and and trying to run through those arm tackles is just something they do at practice. But this dude takes it to another level. When guys still try to grab him, he still tries to run it over. Uh, so I did like that about Jordan Mason. He's going to be fun. I think everyone's going to like him in training camp. So we'll, we'll see what happens. There's, the, the thing about the, a lot of the players that the Niners have, even the guys that are kind of on the fringe of making the depth chart, they're still, they're still good guys. They're fun. They're exciting. And they're good football players. They just have a really deep roster. Extremely deep roster, and and look, what what I what I love about a guy like Jordan Mason, and what I'm hearing you say about the the motor and the energy is that's going to endear yourself to your teammates, and it's also going to piss the defense off. Yeah, which is a positive thing in both regards because there is a little bit of a, a competition brewing between offense and defense right now, and if he's able to get under the skin of the defense right now, this is a great thing for them because we know that he'll be able to do it as well against opponents. And that's where he's going to earn more opportunities in practice is those preseason games. When you get to preseason game one in that third or fourth quarter, if he is executing, playing at a high level, executing within the offense, breaking off some big runs, it's going to garner him opportunities in practice that he's going to have then to demonstrate against that first team unit. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is the 49ers have six running backs to look the part. I mean, these guys are out there operating at a high level, and so that's that's good news, you know. And I'm I am curious, and I want to talk a little bit about the tight ends because I did get to see some of the things that they did today. Okay, okay. One of the things that was was interesting was watching them run a run play, and in fact, it was Trey Sermon running the football with Troy Fumagalli playing fullback. Uh, he motioned, he went into the backfield, he lined up in a strong eye, and they ended up running an outside zone with Fumagalli leading the way. I thought that was interesting. Maybe it's a, a role that Fumagalli could fit into this offense. Of course, Ross Dwelly was still the second overall tight end you still had jordan matthews running with the threes but once again jordan matthews was out there making plays in the receiving game and i saw nate sudfeld literally looking for him as soon as he hit his back foot which means he was the number one target on the play he was the read that's interesting let's see what happens with jordan uh, if he starts moving up this depth chart a little bit. But right now, it appears they're running Kittle and Dwelly together, and they're running Fumagalli and Tyler Croft together. Those are kind of the groupings right now. It appears Fumagalli and Tyler Croft are ahead of Jordan and Matthews. Uh, but Matthews right now looks to be the most dangerous in the passing game. That's not named George Kittle because George Kittle had himself an excellent uh, catch today from Trey Lance where he got out field and made, made a play as like a little over 30 yards. That is good to hear and interesting to hear. Um, Here's the real question. If and when Charlie Warner gets back, Ant. Yeah. If it takes too long, is Charlie Warner going to be in danger of not making this roster? If you have continual elevations of Croft, Jordan Matthews, and Fumagalli. I don't think so because he's still a tremendous blocker. It's true. And we haven't got to see Fumagalli, you know, uh, and Tyler Croft block. You know, I mean, right now they're doing it without pads, but when it really gets into pads and they're taking on Bosa, Amenahue, you know, and these guys on the edge, are they going to be able to lock them down? Kittle was having problems with Bosa. What is going to happen to those guys when they go against Bosa? So I think we're still going to have some play there. And when it comes down to it, last year, Charlie Warner graded out to be the tight end best on the 49ers in blocking. 
So you're not just going to throw him out. We know Kyle Shanahan, you know, values that. So I think Warner is secure. The question is, how long is he going to be on Pup? Is this going to go into the season? If that happens, you might see a, a time where he comes back off Pup during the season, and then you move one of these guys, you know, eventually. So it's some interesting things going on there. It's true. Uh, it's very true. Shane saying DK, three years, $72 million. So is that breaking? Is the DK just sign a contract extension? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's see. I'll, I'll look at my phone while we're going ahead and doing that. Breaking news. Yeah, uh, DK Metcalf signing a three-year, seventy-two million-dollar deal, um, according to ESPN. So, well, thank uh, you, Shane, and thank you, the uh, Espen. He got this is from Adam Schefter. Fifty-eight point two million guaranteed with thirty million-dollar signing bonus. So, I mean, the 49ers are working expeditiously to get something done with Debo Samuel. Here's Debo Samuel's agent working out something with a player with similar skill set that's drafted almost in the same area. So it could work out for uh, for good old Debo Samuel uh, and the 49ers. So hopefully they get something done here in the next you know day or so. I would, I would, I would love that to happen. And so that we can start getting people. Fifty-two million guaranteed, roughly in there. Is, yeah, it's fifty-two million guaranteed. So I mean, that's not a lot of guaranteed money per year. That that should help keep that Debo number hopefully a little bit lower. Yeah, and they took the thirty million and put it in a signing bonus. So uh, thank you, Fallen George, as well, or Fallon George. I'm sorry. Thank you so much for that. Fallon well. George, Shane, everyone all over. Everyone this jumped on. I really appreciate that. That, yeah. yeah, that does have an impact on what Debo could be doing as well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. How that ends up playing out. Um, for the 49ers, but but look, it sounds like day two Ant was chock full of some positives, chock full of some some concerns and some questions and and some issues with the O line and and just consistency. I guess gelling is the right word right now. It's not 100 percent there, but I don't think there's any questions right now with how advanced this defense is in terms of their level of preparation, their level of understanding of what they're supposed to do, and then being able to go out and execute and do their job at a high level. Yeah, right now, I mean, this the team is getting better. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Just right now, the defense is farther along, and that's normal. When you're when you're putting an install, when you're working, getting into practice, the defense always gets going earlier. It's it's more instinctive. It's it's just different. So the offense has a lot of moving parts that they're going to have to put together. So I think that they're going to figure this thing out. But uh, I am very encouraged about what's been happening at training camp with all the players getting after it. And we have some exciting things because we have young players that are stepping up that are going to have to develop. But let's see how they gel through time. Uh, it's going to be intriguing. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. TCC, if you have any questions about camp or anything that you, else that you want any clarity on, Right now is the time. Leave some questions down below right now in the comment section. And while you're down there, if you just got here, if you're new to the channel, make sure you like the video, subscribe if you haven't already, hit that notification bell. That way you don't miss any more of these live updates. You don't miss videos and breaking news information, all from training camp and all this all preseason long in and a shocking turn of events and during the season because this channel will be bringing you all of that content nonstop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of content, of you know, training camp content especially. We're going to get into it. You know, and we're working towards the season. So there's a lot to go still. We know that they're going to have another practice on Saturday and then nothing Sunday. And then all of a sudden it's a block of three, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're going to have three days of training camp, but let's see what happens. They'll be padded up and ready to go. And that's when the excitement really kicks in. Uh, it's it's going to be extremely exciting. Ant. It's going to be absolutely uh, phenomenal and, and a great time to be a 49ers fan with all of this football coming back. And it's a great time just to be a football fan in general. 
because football is back, baby, and, and training camp is here, as the topic states. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun injury, uh, fun season, and I just saw injury there yeah. from, from Fallon George saying, how's Moore doing coming off the Achilles injury? Um, how is he looking? It, does the speed look like it's still there? That's the big first thing, because coming off that Achilles, people talk about it takes a full year to get back to form, and a full year of playing and, and getting that rust off before you return back to the version of yourself that you used to be. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, I was watching some of his footwork drills where he was going through his EDDs, you know, and being able to plant at that 45 and drive. They do that every single day. But I was watching the, you know, the footwork as he was going into the back pedal and then hitting that 45 and wondering if he was going to be able to explode forward off of the Achilles. He was doing it without any problems. He looks smooth. Uh, he looks crisp. I think he's, you know, healthy. I They're not having any restrictions on him. They're kind of letting him, you know, roll. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about him. And he looks confident. I mean, that's the thing. This safety room looks absolutely confident. They don't lack it. And he's out there. He's battling with Talano Ufonga and George Odom. It's no joke. And apparently Dante Johnson has thrown his hat into the mix in the safety room as well. So, yeah, I think Tarverius Moore is going to have opportunities to show out and make plays. Right now, Hufunga is already doing that. Can Moore do the same thing and make this a battle? We'll see. I think he's just going to get more and more comfortable as we go through training camp. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And John says, were there any Sagoon Alubi sightings? And I heard there was, and I heard he had a pick. Uh, bounced off of Danny Gray's hand. It was a pass from, a pass from Nate Sudfeld, intended for Danny Gray, that bounced off his hands, and Sagoon Alubi had the pick. Yeah, Sagoon Alubi uh, you know, ended up undercutting that route a little bit. We had uh, Nate uh, Nate the Great rolling left and throwing it, you know, across his body and left it behind, and Alubi made a play. Uh, Alubi, you know, he, I was watching. I did watch the linebackers a little bit more this time because everyone kept bringing up Robinson, so I watched a lot of Curtis Robinson as well. He does look explosive. He reminds me size and speed of, like, Jonas Griffith. Like, he's moving around pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, Alubi looked good. I thought McCrary Ball were two guys that are developmental pieces. They are definitely guys that aren't going to make an impact on this roster in 2022, but they could be a part of the 49ers plans in 2023 and beyond. And I did notice too, also that I I think is uh, something noteworthy is Flanagan Fowles was actually taking the fourth team. I mean, he was the fourth linebacker in, it wasn't Oren Burks. Oren Burks was five. Uh, So Oren Burks was working with Curtis Robinson as they were going through the groupings. So I, I thought that was something at least noteworthy to bring up that it looks like Flanagan Fowles as of right now is ahead of Oren Burks as Oren Burks tries to learn and, and fit into this defense. Um, that It doesn't surprise me for two reasons. One, you are coming over from a different different defense and scheme and philosophy in Green Bay than San Francisco, number one. But number two, Ant, uh, you have a guy in Demetrius Flanagan Fowles who from Robert Sala to D'Amico Ryans has been a favorite of both coaches a guy that has continued to develop and developed uh, uh, during that time in San Francisco with D'Amico originally just being his linebackers coach to now obviously being the D coordinator. Um, not that there's favoritism or anything going on, but this is a guy who in Demetrius Flanagan Fowles that understands what the expectations are from his coach and how to go out there and execute and do the things you're supposed to do day in and day out. Well, Ruby's co- or Burks, excuse me, is coming into a new situation. He's played in the league. He understands what it takes. He knows what expectations are. It's about figuring out what those expectations are in this system, in this scheme, and what he's being asked to do in it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they were working on special teams some today, and that's where he was shining. He was looking good. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, Oren Burks has something carved out, but you're right. Flanagan Fowles is definitely a favorite of 
you know, this coaching staff. And to be honest with you, he should be because he looks comfortable out there. He looks like the fourth best linebacker on the field right now. And then I think that there's a battle for five and six. There were moments where I watched uh, Curtis Robinson. It's like, oh, okay. And then there were moments where I watched, you know, Oren Burks and Oren Burks was a little bit more instinctive or better. Uh, so we'll see when they get, when they start strapping up the pads and they have to fill the, the run lanes and how they handle this. And we'll see, we'll see how they look. And if they look good, um, then, then we'll be able to talk about it. Maybe that will become a battle. But right now, I still think the top five linebackers are pretty secure with Curtis Robinson just on the outside and then kind of everyone else. I think McCrary Ball has a tremendous amount of athletic ability, and he's really good in his drops being a former safety. I just don't know if he's going to be able to translate and stopping these guys in the hole right now because these running backs are as big as he is. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very intriguing. And if you want to know more about this training camp, about every day of practice, players, performance, production, all that fun stuff, you need to be right here for those live streams, recapping all of that information. The best way to do that is to be subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell. You can also like the video because then maybe we'll pop up more often in your recommended feeds. And then, you know, you don't have to go search for us through your subscriptions and all that fun stuff. So hit that like button, subscribe if you haven't already, hit that notification bell. And 49 concurrent viewers, let's get it to 49 likes, TCC. We would really appreciate that. 49 for the 49ers, faithful for the 49ers as we get through day two of training camp. Looking forward to Saturday and day three and everything that comes in store with that because possibly pads and if not saturday then it would most likely be monday correct yeah i won't be surprised if it's not monday i mean it would make sense for it to be saturday for the mere fact if you went through light pads you would have sunday to rest mm -hmm. but we'll see what they do we'll see what they end up getting into i don't expect there to be a lot of physicality in day one of pads but i am excited for them to get to pads so that way when plays like today where george odom you know smacks brandon Ayuk or lightly hits him as i like to say uh, it was a love tap come on uh then Just you know, let him know he's there those things are legal i mean those things are we're ready to see it of course we don't want to see our guys get absolutely whacked but we want these guys to go out there and play football and i think some of these defensive backs would press even harder especially the safeties on some of these underneath routes if they felt they weren't going to hurt someone by hitting them or having contact with them so i think we're going to see these guys elevate their games the intensity will go up and then we'll get a better idea of you know who's who especially in the uh, offensive line and defensive line trench warfare at its best i can't wait for that that's going to be exciting look cutback crew we're looking forward to saturday we're looking forward to the rest of this training camp we're looking forward to preseason games and we're obviously looking forward to more conversations with you so we hope to see you on the next one it's going to be a lot of fun hopefully more news more information more standout performances from guys and hopefully some pads and we get to i guess Real, real football. It's not real football. I mean, it's football. It's football, regardless of whether you're in pads hitting people or whether you're playing flag. It's just exciting football. It's a little funner. It's just it's funner football. You know, physicality. It's a collision sport. Uh, that's what we want. We want contact. We want collision, and uh, we know these players are going to get excited about it. And I know I'm excited about it. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see the physicality, the contact, and then see how everything shakes out because that's when you really find out. You know, who's who. And I think we're going to find out real quick. And I'm continuing to watch the interior offensive line because I think that's going to be a story of the entire training camp. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Bobo, hopefully Debo extended the next time we meet. Let's hope that that's the case, Bobo. I'd love a Saturday morning Devo extension right before practice. That would be absolutely glorious. So hopefully Bobo just spoken into existence and cut back crew until the next one. Until the next time, until Saturday, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way. Later, TCC.